0: Welcome
1: to Middle School Matters Podcast number 573. Defenestrate your way to safety. We've got some jokes for your classroom. We're going to talk about defenestration. And Dave's going to talk about statistics. It's going to be interesting, we promise. So without further ado, here's the wonderful, the magnanimous, the Mr. Troy Patterson.
2: All right, welcome back to the show. I am Troy Patterson, and with me is the world's greatest co-show host, Mr. Sean Megar. Hey, Sean. Well, hello there. How are you? I'm well. It is, um, we did, you know, last week we talked about the negative 20, and yesterday it was like yeah. 40. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, it's been a week, hasn't it? What a week.
2: It's been a week. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's doing all right. Hey, a friend of mine. Uh, his daughter turned eighteen last weekend. Oh, yeah. but he bought her a locket with a picture inside of her. Oh, picture I'll of herself a picture inside, inside of her. Sorry, he bought her a locket, put a picture okay. of her inside.
1: Oh, 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 okay. Oh, I see now.
2: Yep, that's right. She is now independent. Gotcha. Independent yep. in. Dependent.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right in there.
2: <laughs> I guess I. I guess we could start over, and I could like try to actually do that one a little. It's close, more close speed enough.
1: Like, we wouldn't but, have you know? to do post. We could just yeah, like. No. Yeah, <laughs> we could
2: just start over. <laughs> it uh, wouldn't even. Count I did have. Post. I have a meeting. I had a meeting the other day. I took a elevator up to eleventh floor.
0: Hmm. As
2: I got it, as I got out, the operator said, "Have a good day, yeah. son." Said, "Don't call me son. You're not my dad." Scratched oh. his head and said, hmm, "I brought you up, didn't I?"
1: Ah, good point.
2: <laughs> the thing that people don't miss is that one actually got a smile from Sean.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know. And then, since you went up, I also had to go down the elevator, and it went, you know, <laughs> I got in to go down. and He said, "I'm sorry." I said, "Because you thought I'm my dad." Shook his head and said, "No." Because I let you down. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. Hey, what do you call a line of people waiting to get their hair cut?
1: You know, I don't have to stand in that line anymore, so i am completely <laughs> forgotten.
2: It's a barbecue. Oh,
1: I like mm-hmm. that one. Yeah. It's a line for good-smelling people.
2: Mm-hmm. Hey, would you like pancake jokes?
1: So I I like pancake jokes. Tell me yeah, one.
2: I I've got a stack of them. Do you? <laughs> um I did talk to a furniture salesman the other day. He said this oh. sofa will see mm-hmm. five without any problems. Oh. I was really confused cuz I'm like where am I going to find five people with no problems? Exactly. That's a,
1: exactly. That's a good thought.
2: And You know, we have the, in this house, we have the up-up, so we have the main floor, we have the upstairs floor, and then we have the third floor, we have the up-up. Oh. I'm going to put a a soccer pitch in there. You are. I know what you're thinking. Yeah. Lofty goals.
1: Oh, that's true. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes, indeed.
2: Yes, indeed. Well, one of our lofty goals is usually statistical thinking. It's uh, an important part of science, and it is also, um, you know, we have a clean rating because I think of the old line of "there are lies, oh yeah, darn lies, mm-hmm. and statistics," <laughs> um, but but Dave is going to set us straight with this one. So here, without further ado, is the wonderful. Mr. Dave Bidlowski and the Middle School Science Minute.
0: Hi, this is Dave Bidlowski of k12science.net, and this is your K-12 Science Podcast. I was recently reading the January-February 2023 edition of Science Scope, a magazine for middle school science teachers published by the National Science Teaching Association. And I read the section, Interdisciplinary Ideas. And there was an article entitled, Why Should We All Embrace Statistical Thinking? And it was written by Kristen Hunter Thompson. And she wrote that making sense of patterns in data and talking effectively about our conclusions from data requires nuance. Much to the chagrin of many, this is why scientists always put caveats around their data conclusions. We aren't trying to get our middle schoolers to talk like scientists to that degree, but we do want them to think about data in a more nuanced way. How can we thread this needle? By incorporating statistical thinking, not teaching statistics, into all of our data-based activities. Many of us are familiar with and may have even taken some courses on statistics. Statistics or statistical analysis are calculations that we make on or with data. Regardless of which statistic we use, the output can help us make sense of the data in a multitude of ways. Regardless of which statistic we use, the output can help us make sense of the data in a multitude of ways, such as to process large amounts of data, or to compare different data sets or subsets of data, or to repeat others' work, or to communicate results from large data sets to others not familiar with the data. An important thing to remember, is that the calculation only gives a number output that then needs to be interpreted by someone to determine what it means. It is a tool in your data analysis toolkit, not the answer to the data analysis and interpretation. Therefore, to best use statistics, we need one, to have enough of an understanding of algorithmic thinking to know how to make sense of the output, and two, a way to think about data overall. Good news on the first one. Beyond some common summary statistics, such as mode, median, mean, range, we do not need nor probably want to be teaching middle school students to calculate statistics or have Google Sheets or Excel calculated for them, given where their algorithmic understanding is. But we can and should do a lot on the second to get students thinking about data from a nuanced perspective by developing their statistical thinking statistical thinking is the mindset that we use when doing anything with data the glossary and tables for statistical quality control states that the mindset is based on the following three criteria one any work with data involves interconnected processes two All processes and data have variability, and therefore, three, understanding variability and these processes is key to making sense of data. In other words, it is what we do when we think critically and make judgments about the data we have and the meaning we make from the data. Statistical thinking involves descriptive, such as I notice, inferential, such as I wonder, And contextual, such as I worry and or I expect, thinking about the data. Thus, it permeates all parts of working with data, not just one tool that we use. So, let's look at the five ways that we can integrate statistical thinking into existing data-based activities. Number one, we need to consider what the sample is every time we look at data. Number two, we need to talk about uncertainty number three we support with evidence not prove the hypothesis number four we can only make claims from the data we have not what we want to have and five we need to think about whether a finding is truly meaningful so in conclusion most statistics should not be taught in middle school yet we can play a critical role in setting students up for success in their data work with us and in their future statistics work by focusing on helping students develop their statistical thinking. The five ways we explored here can be incorporated into almost any interaction our students have with data with a simple question or two in a class discussion and or on their work products. We don't need to use all five each time we work with data. Instead, the key is to consistently encourage our students to think about data in these more nuanced ways to help build their skills and confidence when analyzing and interpreting data. And this has been your K-12 Science Podcast.
2: Well, statistically, it was a week last week. And statistically, it's going to be a week next week. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. It's the week before break for us. Same here. We get a break. So, yeah. Yay. Yeah, so we have that coming up. There, this this past week, there's a question about lockdown browsers. Oh. Um, in part because um teachers are worried about cheating right because chat gpt has become so prevalent right at this point yep. and i'm like eh. <laughs> and then somebody said you mean they can actually access it cuz every time i go to access it it's like uh, we're busy right now please come back later so maybe maybe uh that alone is enough to uh, put a little stress <laughs> into the kid who's gonna write the essay or have the ChatGPT write the essay for him. Um, but I, I did, I, I, you know, seen this being talked about from from lots of teachers around, and so some teachers are like, "Well, we're, we're gonna do lockdown browsers so that." kids can only be on the site that you know one site at a time some of them are relying on um, you know being able to see kids screens Um, there's some there's a lot of different software packages that do that Um, and then some of them are just you know good old walking around kind of thing um, in the lockdown browsers that I hear about, most of them are a few thousand dollars a year, except one. Did you know there's a lockdown browser built in? That there's a that you can have a lockdown browser built in within Moodle.
1: Are you talking about the um, uh, safe browser thing? Yep, Safe Exam Browser. It's a Safe Exam Browser. I didn't know that it was free, though. I thought you had to pay for that service.
2: Nope, Safe Exam Browser is free.
1: Well, shocks! You're the rest of the show. I got some things I have to do over on.
2: There is a caveat, though.
1: Oh, okay. All right.
2: And that is, I don't think they apply to Chromebooks. Though. Well, there you go. Uh, the people in Dearborn did uh, lock down. I think they used something, they used that to create one for, for Chromebooks. So... Um, I think Chris and Sean had one. Sean might have written it. Uh, I don't remember. But you know, there there was a there was also um, uh, a lockdown browser for Chromebooks as well. I think it was built off the Safe Exam browser. So, do you use anything for a lockdown oh. browser or for monitoring um, what kids are doing on computers or anything like that?
1: I know we use uh, we use a firewall system, and we have uh, we use the one that's through RISA or, or MNET, um, and it it's it's it locks things down pretty tight. Uh, I don't know the full extent of it. I know that uh, it also reports things. So it, it had an inch, so it, things that happened this past week, we had a week in my district, in my building. Okay, <laughs> so there there was stuff that went on stuff that I, I can't talk about on the show. But one of the interesting things that happened I didn't think of it until just now was I had a student who was uh, they're doing projects on ancient Rome. Okay. Right. And he typed in something completely innocuous related to ancient Rome. Etiquette. I think it was etiquette. And he spelled it right. I watched him. I stood right there <laughs> and I watched him type it in. So we're not talking about a typo or I mistook this. Um, and up comes images of guns and he looks at me with this horrified look on his face he goes I'm in trouble which see our our, our firewall lockdown browser our, our filtering whatever system um, reports that to the assistant principal
0: right. and
1: he's panicking because he knows and he, he goes I didn't I didn't I, I said no I was here I saw you I watched the whole thing you're okay I'll explain I'll go with you it's alright you're alright if they come and ask you know you're okay um but it was the, it was the, whatever software we're using, um, through the, the thing that just sent him there. Um, but ours is locked, uh, down pretty good. We, the other lockdown browsing that we use is through, um, like when we do, uh, uh, M-Step, the state testing, or yeah, when we I do iReady, they, they lock it down via the, um, logins, to-
2: Yeah, filtering is very different than the lockdown browser. What a a lockdown browser allows you to do is you can only be on the site that's doing that. In most of your secure testing, like NWEA, that's why you have to install a specific browser for NWEA because it's, it's a lockdown browser. They do the same thing with AP testing. They have a lockdown browser... Any of your state testing that is done online they're going to have a lockdown browser and the the technology is out there for other people to do lockdown browsers uh, and, and teachers and teachers are starting to, to, to be concerned about test security so they're looking for a lockdown browser versus filtering because you know filtering may allow the kid to search for ancient Roman etiquette. But if you were asking a kid to write an essay or define ancient Roman etiquette, and you didn't want them looking it up at the same time, that's what a lockdown mm-hmm. browser allows you to do. Right. It allows you them to lock them into that one site. And there, so there's the lockdown browser, and then a related topic or related the related area is where teachers can view all of the kids' screens. Oh yeah, um, so like, um, Hapara is one of the answer is one of the things that does that. Uh, Apple Classroom does that. Um, there's a, there's several of them. There's lots of them out there. Or you know, and with those, usually teachers can lock a kid's screen. They can you know do kinds of things, and you know, for for teachers, it, it allows them to sit at their desk and say um hey sean stop playing minecraft and do your homework and sean can say i'm not and the teacher can go yes you are i can see your screen right now and you know by the way don't put a don't put a wall there because it's going to totally ruin your future plans for whatever they want to do so there's those kinds of things as as well, and those are related and and just you know that's one of those battles that uh is constantly ongoing as to uh, how much should we be watching kids and uh, and how should we be watching them and what should they be able to do and what they should not be able to do and all of those good things so some of that is a cultural um a culture of the school culture of the community and culture of the classroom, um, situation, you know, uh, how, how much do you want to weigh, you know, put your thumb on the kids as to that shalt kind of thing. So, um, so that's a, Those things I've seen a lot going on.
1: So, uh, let me throw a wrench in your, uh, or, uh, uh, something else into the mix. Um, Something just literally ran across my newsfeed here just now, is that there's a there's a there's a uh, an outfit that has uh, been able to uh, adapt, change, use, modify Siri so that it uh, uses ChatGPT and OpenAI, so that when you say "Hey Siri," yeah, um, it you're using ChatGPT instead, which would. It's a nice benefit because it's it's going to give you better answers. But so now they could do it on their well, phone.
2: Ho- hold on, let's go back a second here, because okay. they give you better answers. One of the things I think we're fundamentally misunderstanding is how ChatGPT is programmed. ChatGPT is programmed essentially to pr- to predict the next set of words. It is yeah. not there is nothing in the programming about being correct,
1: no that's true yes
2: there is it it is not checking to see what the answer is
1: it follows you It your is lead.
2: simply doing next word um replacement, and I think that's a fundamental misunderstanding that people have. I think people think of it like a search engine, and in fact Bing right now is um including some AI as a search engine and that's a different construct and I don't know yet how much they're, they're tying in correctness but ChatGPT has absolutely nothing built into it for correctness it is simply taking words and predicting the next set of words kind of thing
1: and even then, it still does better when I ask SRI uh, <laughs> anything on my HomePod.
2: So, so there is, you know, that, that part of it. Now, um, Google is working on a, a, a product called BARD, which does have a component of correctness built into it. Because they're working on this as more of a search kind of thing. And in search, you want to get the correct answer. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, so that's going to be interesting as to see how that plays out as well. But yeah, there. Uh, but ChatGPT has no correctness built in. Then that's if you if you are predicting next words you are very likely to get something that could be correct. But there is no checking for correctness in it, which is one of those things that would potentially um, um, kind of submarine out uh, uh, an essay answer. Um, So we'll see. And there's all kinds of, of qualitative data about incorrect answers from ChatGPT. There's lots of people that are saying, see, it's not correct. It's like it was never predicted, it was never written to be correct. Future examples probably will be. Mm -hmm. So that's something to kind of pay attention to as we move forward. But, yeah. So you don't have any of the um, screen monitoring or um, testing if we control built in
1: if we do, i've not been informed, not that they would inform me
2: <laughs> right? sometimes that happens so and sometimes it's knowing about the capabilities of something like you know, for example, Apple classroom has that built into it. Um, unfortunately, it is not real reliable and yeah. their user interface leaves a little bit to be desired. So so there's that. You know. um I did do some some spreadsheet work this this past week as well. Um yeah. And taking data, taking like NWEA data and Kind of piping it into a spreadsheet, and then um, and then taking that data and moving it off to other spreadsheets um, and automating that so teachers don't have to sit and type in numbers, <laughs> which is a huge waste of their time um, it's mm-hmm. always fun, so. Um, you know it's I would say that it is very beneficial to learn some spreadsheet skills um even if you don't memorize all the formulas, being able to look them up real quick can and knowing what you're looking for kind of thing can be pretty cool mm-hmm. so or make friends with someone who is good with it. Mm-hmm. That's beneficial as well, so so yeah. Um, so that's what I have from from this this past week. Um, so um, let's see here, the social web. We've got some things from the yeah. social web this week.
1: Yeah, one of them is Alex Lindsay, which uh, I believe you're familiar with. Alex Lindsay at Alex Lindsay he posted something I thought was um, something that we could have fun with. And he, here's what he, he wrote He said, You can read 100 books on baking bread, but you won't actually know how to bake bread until you baked 100 of those yourself. This applies to many things in life. And I thought, Yeah, yeah, we could do that. So let's do that. You could take 100 classes, but you won't actually know how to teach until you've taught a hundred classes
2: yourself <laughs> there you go
1: or or uh let's see you you uh you can do uh or you can uh read about a, a hundred different archaeological sites but you won't know how to do archaeology until you do 100 archaeology digs yourselves yeah yeah so and yep. just, we could just have so much fun with that could turn that into a meme i think
2: mm-hmm. you could
1: yeah i don't know how much you'd appreciate that but yeah and I am also,
2: I'm now hungry. We have a, new, restaurant. We have oh, a new. We have a new. We have a new store in town that does bread and books. Mm. Oh, and they have they have they have like, um, it's not like Barnes and Noble's books. It is like small press books. Okay. So very limited, um, you know, kind of offbeat, kind of books. It's a very it's a small store. But the bread was really good too. So now maybe we need to go get some bread.
1: See. Mm-hmm. Well, folks, if he if he wanders away from the, the mic later on this hour, um we know where he went.
2: Have to check how late they're open.
1: <laughs> uh let's see. Susie Dent, one of your faves, at Susie underscore Dent. Word of the day is it's an 18th century word. And I thought, oh, my word, I got this kid. Um, obstinate, unbending, and accustomed to taking everyone else for fools. <laughs> In this case, he thinks it's the teachers who are the fools. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she also posted later on that she uh, made a discovery. And I thought this was a very interesting discovery. We've all heard, you know, teachers use the term prime time.' Shucks, there are athletes that call themselves prime time,' right? Mm-hmm. There was a...
2: One in particular, yeah.
1: Yeah, and there was a TV show called Prime Time. I forgot the rest of it, but anyways, uh, she says, I have only just discovered that the original meaning of Prime Time in the 16th century was spring. Hmm. So, folks, we're, we're coming up on Prime Time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think that should be the new new name for daylight savings. You know, <laughs> on uh, Prime Time and prime time.
2: Or Have we heard legit? anything about whether daylight savings time is going to go away or change or? I haven't heard anything recently I... about that.
1: Yeah, not recently. Yeah, might be worth digging around. You know, you could wander over to a bread and bookstore store and uh, cruise. They're and open
2: until 25. four o'clock.
1: Okay, we got to hurry then.
2: <laughs> All right. We got plenty of time.
1: <laughs> we'll get this show. I don't know. <laughs> I've seen today's show notes. <laughs> um, John R. Soash at JR Soash. Unleash the power of reading with this simple Google form, Reading Log. It's the perfect tool to kickstart your next reading challenge. And it's an, it's another reading log. Um, and we've talked about reading logs before. And
2: Yeah. How do you feel about yeah. reading logs?
1: I think uh, you could build quite a nice fire with uh, reading logs. <laughs> I think it's a compliance tool. I don't know this one. Yeah. I, I think it's a variation on the same idea. I think if you do too much of it, it turns into a really bad thing. Maybe you should do it once for like a contest, maybe, but every day I think could be an issue. I think, but that's keeping, just my opinion.
2: Yeah, I think maybe kids keeping track of what they've read for themselves, never having to share it with anybody. Yeah, but for them to keep track of things, that would be that could be an awesome Some habit to create. Um, do you do you keep track of the books that you read?
1: I do because they're in a stack in the uh, <laughs> living room, and I have to step over, around, and through uh, my my stack of. I just picked up another one too. So what I need to do is, I have a room I don't use a lot of, and I'm what I should do is in my house I should just make a library. Right, sure. and that's what I should do. I should just do it. And, um...
2: Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. That'd be... Right after I get done writing that PCT course. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Johnny Hemphill at Wooster Johnny. Cause of disease and treatment across historical periods all on one page. Trying to help year 11 with their revision with this thinking process color coding, the historical periods and the themes, hashtag history teacher. It's a kind of a cool device. I would use it when I was talking, or if I was talking about black plague, but you could use this to, uh, um, uh, have the kids, uh, then look at the diseases and then, uh, figure out the, uh, uh, treatments and causes or treatments. I'm sorry. Um, they might have difficulty with the treatments, but this would be just a fun thing, you know, like, all right, so there's a disease or a cause what's, what's a treatment. And what do you think is the treatment? And then go through it later and just, you know. But it's it color coding. And so it's real simple. They just read and they, they color in circles and triangles. And um, is, it could be just a fun activity.
2: Is this interactive at all? I, I'm just thinking that this would be neat to... I was just looking at this from a like a web page kind of thing, like maybe sorting or clicking on the different time frames or that. Do you have a link to the Am actual I, resource? Because oh, I don't. Not, it's small.
1: I will. Um, I will get that for you and the uh, folks here during the uh, during the show today. How's that sound?
2: We'll see what we can do.
1: I have it bookmarked. All right, he's going to work on that. I'm going to talk about Chris Hutchinson and SOM. So uh, we talk about. Uh, should kids have exploratories? What should kids do? Right. So here's S O M it's, uh, the Semonology guy or similio guy, uh, Bibles or Bibbles, Bibbles. I don't know. It's uh, not enough consonants or not enough vowels, a whole lot of consonants. So anyways, there were, there were some folks talking about, you know, hey, you know, have you, have you learned another language? And, uh, Henry Wallace, uh, said, uh, oh, I've got my mother tongue, which is American and my daily language, which is French and my in-law in-laws language, which is Russian. And then, uh, a sacred language, which is Greek in this case. And, and then another guy pulled out and said, well, okay, so my mother tongue's American. My liturgical language is, uh, Anglican, uh, studied, uh, and re- read, and write in Spanish, uh, studied two years to read Koine Greek, uh, currently trying to read Hebrew. And then I self-taught myself Esperanto. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Amazing what you can do when you have the interest, uh, to, to do it. Um, so I, I thought I would also then throw in something from the Nordic Baltic region of, uh. It's, uh, it's fipple. That's what I call it because it's otherwise it's uh, it's 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 Lithuanian and twisting my tongue around for that one is just a little difficult. But uh slanting again. I can't wrap my tongue around those words. Elga um, Egla uh, uh, posted this and it was uh, low preparation vocab games and she posted this in uh, in as a Facebook post, but I thought this was interesting, right? Low prep vocab games, sorting puzzles, scavenger hunt, word wheel, that sort of thing. But now remember, she's doing this from a European Lithuanian perspective, right? She's she's part of the the Nordic Baltic region of the Federation of of uh, languages, right? Um, the bottom right corner it says American games. There's American games. I didn't know that these were strictly American and that they label things as American hmm. games. So things like Apples to Apples, um, Balderdash, uh, Taboo, Scrabble, and Bananagrams are considered American games.
2: I like Bananagrams. I do
1: too. So you, you, there's you some have resources for it. don't you? Um, I have Bananagrams and I've given Bananagrams away to. Uh, folks that we've taught in China okay. and they love Bananagrams. They think that's just like... One of the best things ever.
2: That's a family uh, game too.
1: It is and, and you know what? They think it's better than sliced bread <laughs> with unsliced books. Uh You could use this as a bunch of resources for your classroom and uh, some quick and easy things right there for you from uh, the social web and... uh Check out your social media for resources near you. Speaking of resources.
2: Speaking of resources, um, there is a student vocabulary um, video challenge from the New York Times. um, And it is actually their 10th annual... um, And, essentially, it runs from um, February 15th to March 15th. And they're inviting students to create a short video that defines or teaches any of the words in our Word of the Day collection. So, I thought this was neat. Um, And they have 2,500 plus Words of the day the challenge is to create a 15 second or shorter video that defines or teaches the words make sure you pronounce the word aloud define it give it a part of speech um, and then you submit the entries um, there's a, a, a link you can upload your video to YouTube or submit an mp4 video file um, you can work in um, alone with a partner or a group only one submission per student if you submit as part of a group you cannot enter separately um, it sh- the video should obviously be appropriate and help viewers understand the words so here's the thing I thought this was terrific and you could even do this in your class and have kind of like a round one right, and you know I mean obviously any any of the kids that want to could um, submit, but do it in your class um, and have that um, have that as a a chance for kids to show that they know a word and do it in kind of a different way, and you could incorporate that into your class. Um, the prize is having the video featured on the learning network, so you don't get huge, um, um, you don't get big cash for it, but it is, uh, open to students ages 13 to 19 who are in middle school or high school around the world. Mm. So, you know, um, and they do have... If you're, you know, as a teacher, there is a compilation post in a YouTube playlist so you can see what's been done before. So you might even want to use some of the words as as a resource for your classroom as well. But having kids create those is pretty cool um, and powerful. So so yeah so you can check that out I think that is a great resource um the New York Times is also having a vocabulary challenge to have students invent a new word this one is um due by February 28th and it will become their April Fool's word of the day. Um, but you know, kids are creative, and this could be could be neat. It does have to have. Uh, it does have to be um, posted by February twenty eighth. Uh, it's you post it as a comment. Um, it should be a word that is not already in in circulation, even locally, and must not and must have never appeared in the times. It should also be not a word that won the 2022 contest. <laughs> I don't know why I <laughs> have to say that. <laughs> um, hey. You want to include its parts of speech, its definition in an example sentence, and a brief explanation of why this word would be valuable addition to the English language um, so yeah it's just kind of neat um, and uh, you know there's uh, a, again a nice challenge for the kids to take a take a look and come up with something that's fun and you could just make that as part of a, you know an activity in your class um it could be even a advisory committee as well, and that can help build a vocabulary that's unique to your class. So it kind of can do a lot of team building as well. So, have you had kids make up words? I mean, intentionally?
1: <laughs> oh, intentionally? No. I, maybe a, a number of years ago, but not recently. They do it right. by accident, but then we definitely use them in class. Right. Uh, but there was one challenge and I can't remember if it wasn't New York times or somebody else did where you would, uh, you would make a short video about demonstrating a word. Mm-hmm. And I had a student who just loved the word defenestrate, and he orchestrated and, and organized the whole thing. And they, they submitted it and it didn't you know go anywhere. I mean, it was, it was great entry and they were like, yeah, thank you. And that sort of thing. But he remembered that he remembered so much that I had him again in the high school. And at years ago, the high school, I was up on second floor and, the plan was that um the the single window in each of the rooms upstairs in the in the high school would become a fire exit, and they were going to buy these chain ladders that you would simply prop on the edge of the window, flip out the window, and you climbed on the ladder. Well, they made the sign that said you know emergency fire exit or emergency exit that was over the window, but they never bought the chain ladders <laughs> missed it <laughs> by <laughs> by that much. So so this the same kid thought that was absolutely hilarious. And so he made a sign right next to it. And he, he says, I want to put this up. Can I put this up? I said, yes, you definitely can put this up. And so there was a sign in that room for a long time that said, to fenestrate your way to safety. <laughs> <laughs> fenestration is to throw somebody out of a window. Uh, yes. Do that quite a bit. <laughs>
2: and Anything. i think we have a i think we have a show title now <laughs> <laughs> brian thank you very much all right um <laughs> <laughs> all right well relatedly uh you want to look sharp if your if fenestration is going on because you know <laughs> yep And over at um, Ithaca College, uh, they have Project Look Sharp, which is actually not about dressing well, but it's about looking sharply. Um, And they have a bunch of free resources that you can use. They are very constructivist in their approach, which I learned long ago. I was a constructivist as a teacher. Um, And they have educator-developed standards aligned, um, but they've got videos, they've got key questions and handouts, they've got published articles and webinars, they have a dy. I guide if you click on the free classroom materials they have guides by subject and level lessons and kit in kits featured feature topics and handouts um, so you can you know kind of work through and look at some of the things that are specific to middle school um, and your subject even and you can download guides um, and the guides are just—they just download. You don't have to give them an email address. You don't have to do the hokey pokey. Um, they're just there and available. So the the idea is to really teach kids um, to be reflective, to do a reflective analysis of media documents. So this is really all about creative and about thoughtfulness and critical thinking skills. Um, and they point out they're going to need the, to teach the habits of critical thinking needed for academic, career, and civic lives. And they need consistent practice. So, you you know, the, the hundred books and hundred loaves of bread, um, you know, a hundred times of of doing some of the critical thinking um, is going to be really important. So, and if you do that, it may give you a superpower.
1: Superpowers, superpowers are coming. They are coming because Phyllis Fagel has told us how to do it. Well, okay, she hasn't told us. She's going to tell us. AMLE has a new book and their book spotlight is middle school superpowers raising resilient teens in turbulent Times I think the superpower is alliteration um, but it's a book coming out it will be available August 1st but it's available for pre-order now uh, there is a link in the show notes you can uh, click that and uh, it'll take you to the uh, to the uh, to the book uh, you can pre-order it uh, ships I believe August 1st it should be there at your at your place August 3rd. Just in time for the new year, after you've done all your summer planning and everything is, yeah, everything's set to go for the year. So, uh, nah, probably not everything, but so there you go. Uh, Phil Sfagel, keep an eye out. Uh, new book coming, should be good stuff. Cool. Have you heard what's all the buzz? Not just what's that book, by the way.
2: All the buzz, yeah. No, I have not.
1: Well, uh, somebody, a group of group of social studies teachers sat down and put together 1,200 questions into a question bank and created a Geography Bee.
2: That is awesome.
1: Yeah, and so it's available for free over at MoodleNet if you want a free Geography Bee. Now, the, the way that they're going to do it is they're going to have elimination rounds online, and then when they get down to the 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 last however many, then they will do a live round where they bring everybody down and they do a live round of questions. And there you go. There's your geography B. So if you're interested in that, there's a link in our show notes where you can go and get your own copy of those 1200 geography B questions. So I have to to use on your own.
2: The, the cover image is an eel
1: was not chosen by me.
2: <laughs> okay. Okay.
1: I could change that. I, I'll I'll probably change that.
2: I I'm just I was just gonna ask what the thought it is an eel, isn't it? Uh, I like. think
1: so. It's uh it's it's so uh, one of the things that uh the the website uses is a random image. If you don't put one in, they put one in for you. They
2: put one in for you.
1: Yeah so they did. So I just didn't happen to have one right then but.
2: from Unsplash yep. yeah okay Yeah. alright that is that's neat and that is it's It's really nice that it's been shared Um, and even no attribution so it's no, shared it's with uh, you just have to share it with the same license and you can't charge for it yeah it's awesome.
0: That and make it true. Awesome.
2: Hmm?
1: Yep. Make it true. It has the potential for you to add your own questions as well. Now, they wouldn't uh-huh. be shared here, but I mean, it's, it's, so you just open it up and add your own questions to the question. bank. So let's say you want to make it geographically specific to your region of the, uh, of the world. Well, go in and do it. Mm-hmm. You just have to suffer the fact that I put some from my little corner of the world.
2: <laughs> Very cool. That's okay. So. All right. Um the next one this one's a little bit elusive from 2013. Um uh, but this popped back up onto my radar and this is from a series called On the Road. And it's actually from kind of your neck of the woods. Um, oh, I think it is. So this is about a middle school football team that took um, um, how can I say I'll just give it away this is 3 minutes and 21 seconds um, and the kids there's a special needs student an autistic student who's part of the football team and the kids decide without the coaches knowing the kids decide that they're going to have this kid run a t- run in a touchdown Mm-hmm and it's just neat to listen to the kids respond to it and the kids talk about, like, why they did it to talk about their attitude and the impact that it makes on the on the kid and the, the family because they talk to the mom and dad as well. Um, there's, there's so much about this. It's only 3 minutes and 21 seconds. I think it's really, really neat. And I just thought I would I would share that with uh, with any teachers who needed kind of a feel good kind of uh, uh, pick me up there as well. All right, you may have no you may know somebody who's worried about these kids being distracted and on the phone. And when back in my day, we didn't have these distractions. There's no Google. (laughs) There's no apps. Right? You know anybody like that?
1: We had distractions, but they weren't electronic.
2: (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, So this is an article. um, It's the title of which is We've Always Been Distracted. Uh, Subtitled, Worried that technology is breaking your brain? Fears about attention spans and focus are as old as writing itself. And I'm going to guess it probably even goes back before that. And it points out that um, back in sometime in the first century, uh, (laughs) there was complaint about the multitude of books is a distraction. And that occurred over and over again in the next millennia. All of these books—that's a distraction to our, to um, to us and to the kids and to everything. By the 12th century, uh, Chinese philosopher Zhu Xi, uh, some self living in a new age of distraction, thanks to the technology of print. And uh, he says, again, back in the 12th century, um, the reason people today reads sloppily is that there is a great many printed texts hmm. mm. um, in the 14th century in Italy scholar, scholar and poet uh, patriarch made even stronger claims Says, believe me this is not nourishing the mind with literature but killing and burying it with the weight of things and hmm. perhaps tormenting it Until Mm -hmm. frenzied by so many matters, this mind can no longer taste anything, but stares longingly at everything, like Talantus thirsting in the middle of water. (laughs) Um, So it it goes on and on. It um, it's one of those things that uh, um, is fun to read. They have diagrams of (laughs) They have diagrams of distraction (laughs) They've got You know There's just lots of things So So yeah Uh, So if you think that it's Distraction is something new Then uh, (laughs) Fear not It's always been a concern Doesn't mean that we don't need to address distraction and and we can discuss about whether distraction is getting more powerful or not but it's it's always been there Um, just real quick there is uh, wrbh have you ever heard of wrbh
1: we're big, uh, we're, big, we're, big. No, uh, we're big no I can't say I have <laughs> I'm glad you pronounced it, not me
2: yeah well w r b h is actually a radio station oh and their 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 tagline is reading the fine print. I thought that this was neat because what they do is they actually read the news, and they started by actually reading the newspaper. And it's like, well, why would they actually read the newspaper? Um, and the the reason is, is because uh, people who are blind um, reading the newspaper is, uh, you know, most newspapers don't come in braille or that. Mm-hmm. So they actually read the the newspaper, um, and I thought that was neat. They have a hundred and fifty volunteers who donate nearly 5,000 hours annually to read wow. printed information. Um, and then, again, this is one of those things that, like, hmm, is that something kids could do and help with? Reading books, because there's some there's a lot of books that are not accessible, a lot of material that's not accessible, um, because it's only in one format. Um... So I just thought this was neat and, you know, maybe you want to take it and extend it to your neighborhood as well. So... All right. Um, we have the culture translator as well this week.
1: Yes. New word for me. New word for me popped up this week. It's called defining the situationship.
2: The You've situationship? Heard of situation,
1: yeah, situationship. You've heard of relationship? Right, which is okay. a, that's come again? No, no. Um, situationship. So relationships, right? You know, people get involved in, in relationships, and Valentine's Day is approaching, and there's a number of people who are posting on their site that they're not really looking for a you know romantic relationship. They're looking for a situationship. These are uh, people who um, are they're, they're looking for friendship. You know, they're not necessarily mm-hmm. um, uh, looking to get married, but they they want friendship and this is what so it's you know it's a situation it's not a relationship it's a situation so that's what's popping up which is interesting considering the week we had a strong middle school so <laughs> it might be something that i throw out there this week and see what happens
2: <laughs> situationship
1: yeah hmm. um all right make a clean sweep of relationships this way with maybe a broom method
2: yeah so i found this was this was fascinating back in the 60s uh when NASA, when NASA is making rockets the, one of the ways you do that that they could do this is to combine hydrogen and oxygen and cool them down hundreds of degrees and it makes great rocket fuel okay there's a slight problem though Does um, it go boom? if it leaks yeah it could like catch fire.
1: Yeah, I, I I classify that as bad.
2: As <laughs> bad. Yes. And they had lots of problems with leaks by the way. But they didn't have a sophisticated way to find the leak. They didn't have like, you know, a Geiger counter thing or something that they could, you know, like find it. Magic trick. What 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 happ- what happens is well what happens is is it Actually burns, but it's invisible.
1: Oh, so match so, wouldn't work here.
2: So what NASA really did is they they took people, and they would walk around with a broom in front of them. Ah, oh. straw broom. Yeah, which would catch fire.
1: <laughs> yep.
2: Before they caught <laughs> them on fire. <laughs>
1: before they did.
2: And it's like, well, this works. <laughs> and it's like, oh, my God. And you realize that this is how they sent people to the moon. <laughs> they used brooms. They walked around with brooms, <laughs> holding a broom oh. in front of them so that it would catch fire and not them.
1: <laughs> don't If you don't take the broom, that's a real snap, crackle, pop into your morning.
2: Wow, yeah. So um and and again there is a uh it's just a you know a kind of fascinating thing and they have a <laughs> they actually have a uh, image of someone demonstrating the method um, Wow. with a smile on her face <laughs> 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 i'm, I'm not, not that sure much Yay. i would, would have been smiling if that's your if that's your safety procedure so um. All right, and we have dispositional realignment.
1: Yeah. So, um, I've been talking with uh, the 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 nurse at work, and we're working on a class, a PCT class, and um, for the high school. And one of the things we talked about was dispositions. Right? How are we going to determine that these these up and coming uh um uh, uh, patient uh, care technicians um you know have what it takes to, you know, to 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 be one without you know like
2: mm-hmm.
1: getting frustrated hurting them doing something you know reacting emotionally in the wrong way so um there was a lot of research this week that I, I was looking at where they they don't really measure or do anything about dispositions until people are in the nursing or patient care field <laughs> and I thought mm-hmm. well, it's a little late right but I wonder how often that happens to um um, teachers, right? So here you go. Here you go. There are two, um, yes, you're correct. Uh, there are two, uh, Lithuanian films that have made it, uh, one on Netflix, one on HBO max. And I put a link into the, um, uh, show notes and you can click on that. You can find the names, uh, of those, of those things, but there's, there's a link. So, you know what, um, these are things you have not seen uh, mm-hmm. because they come out of little lithuania which produces uh quite a bit of good stuff just nobody ever sees it because it's you know lithuania and most of us don't speak lithuanian <laughs> but they do subtitles very well anyways mm-hmm. so there you go uh so uh, help yourself with some uh dispositional realignment um take a take a take a break you know Turn, turn the brain to other things to give it a break and then come back to the weighty weighty things of, of education. But not before you have some random thoughts.
2: Yeah, I just, um, I popped this in the random thoughts. This is uh, a cartoon by Gene Armbaum and Bill Barnes. Um, it's unshelled.com. Um, and it's about kids checking out books and... <laughs> Um, checking out of books that are appropriate, um, and I enjoyed it. So um, I shared that with, uh, I'm sharing that as an image over at middleschoolmatters.com. And there is also apparently the history of the English language that we are sharing as well. as a graphic head on over head on over there's more and there's that and there's even more um, over there Um, I think we covered all the jokes I don't think there's any extra jokes but there's always uh, you can always search as well so if you're looking for something um, it is very friendly we would appreciate it if you'd head over to the pod podcatcher of your choice, give us a five star rating. Tell us why Sean is the world's greatest co-show host. We do greatly appreciate that. Uh, and you can find links for doing all of that over at MiddleschoolMatters.com. With that, this has been Middle School Matters for middle school educators who care. All opinions. Pressed on this podcast are exclusively the opinions of the host and guest and not indicative of any employer.